Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Begin with the Old Testament lesson found in Jeremiah chapter 20, beginning at the seventh verse. Jeremiah writes by inspiration of the Lord, You persuaded me, Lord, and I agreed to it. You are stronger than, than I am, and you won out. I have become a laughingstock all day long, and everyone is mocking me. Whenever I speak, I cry out. I cry out violence and destruction. But the word of the Lord has brought scorn on me. I am mocked all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak in his name anymore, then there is a burning fire in my heart, shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in. I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. All my close friends, those who are watching for my fall, say, denounce him. Let's denounce him. Perhaps he can be pressured into making a mistake. Then we will have the upper hand against him, and we will take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a terrifying warrior. So my persecutors will stumble, and they will not gain the upper hand. They will be put to shame completely because they have not been successful. Their eternal disgrace will never be forgotten. Lord of armies, you test the righteous. You see the heart and the mind Let me see your vengeance on them, for I have laid out my case before you. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of the wicked. Thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. The second lesson is found in Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 4, beginning at the first verse. The first section of this portion of God's word will form the basis for today's sermon. Paul writes to Timothy, by inspiration of the Lord, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready, whether it is convenient or not, Correct, rebuke, and encourage with all patience and teaching. For there will come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, because they have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in line with their own desires. They will also turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. As for you, keep a clear head in every situation. Bear hardship. 
do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You see, I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness. The Lord, the righteous judge, will give it to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to everyone who loved his appearing. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter, beginning at the 5th verse. Jesus sent these 12 out and commanded them, Brother will hand over his brother to death, and a father will do the same with his child. Children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all people because of my name, but whoever endures to the end will be saved. And when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. Amen, I tell you, you will not finish going through all the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor is a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. If the master of the house was called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. So do not be afraid of them because there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed and nothing hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground without the knowledge and consent of your father. And even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Everyone who confesses me before others, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen portion of God's word for our consideration this morning from the epistle lesson, Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Read again these three short words. Preach the word. This is the word of our God. Dear brothers and sisters of God Most High, when I had the privilege of attending our college, our Synod's College in Watertown, Wisconsin, I remember the privilege of sitting at the feet of many, many learned men, men who had gone before me, actually sat at the desks where I sat for they too were educated at that same college. And then when I went on to seminary in Mequon, Wisconsin, there too I sat at the feet of many
Christian men who also had sat in the same desks I had sat and had they themselves had sat at the feet of many learned men before me. And I gained many words of wisdom from them as well. And as you've heard Pastor Siles say many times in Bible class, he gained many words of wisdom from them. Timothy, a relatively young pastor compared to the Apostle Paul, gained many words of wisdom from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, a man sent out by Christ himself. One of our stained glass windows over there helps us to remember that event of Paul being called by the Lord Jesus to no longer persecute Christians, but to go out and make disciples of all nations, especially among the Gentiles. But of all the words of wisdom that I heard, especially at our seminary in Mequon, from those learned men called by the Lord and called by the board of the seminary to serve as teachers of all of our pastors, every single day, my classmates and I went into the chapel there in the chapel, on an arch above the lectern and the pulpit and the altar, were emblazoned three words in Greek. Now, after having attended Northwestern College and already having had four years of Greek, we could read them without the help of a lexicon, without the help of a dictionary. We knew what they said. They were from the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus says to his disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. It was three words in Greek. It's three words in English as well. Preach the gospel. A simple command. And of all the things my professors taught to me, those three words I remember most of all. We saw them every single day in chapel when we gather to hear God's word every morning. Preach the gospel. Similar to what Paul says to Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Preach the word. Three simple words. And yes, it is that simple. You might ask yourselves, what do we do here at Salem? What do we as Christians do? Not just here, one hour a week on a Sunday. What do we do as Christians? Preach the word. And I'll simplify it even more. I'll cut it down to two words for you. Preach Jesus. Because that's what Paul is telling Timothy. Preach Jesus. And he doesn't just say, if you feel like it, if you find it in your heart, maybe, kind of, get around to it. He uses an imperative. An imperative that says, do it. Just do it. 
might remember in modern days a certain shoe manufacturer might use as their slogan, just do it. He doesn't give a time frame. He doesn't say just do it for a time and then give up on it, move on to something else. He doesn't say, do this over here, then when you find time, preach Jesus and then go on to something else. He says, preach the word, preach Jesus. And how can you simplify it down to just those two words? Because you can take what Paul says, preach the word, and that second part, the word, you can understand it two ways. One of which, God's word, the word. Old Testament, at the time of Timothy and Paul, the New Testament, was in, well, was in the process of being written. It hadn't been collected. They didn't have Matthew through Revelation in one book at that time. But what they did have was the Old Testament. And what did Jesus say about the Old Testament? These are the scriptures that testify about me, about Jesus. So if you're going to preach the word, if you're going to preach God's word, the word, you're going to preach Jesus. Oh, in there, yes, you might talk about Moses, if you're talking about the Old Testament. You might talk about even the first promise given to Adam and Eve. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, talking to the snake. And you will strike his heel and he will crush your head. That's promise given of the Savior way back in Genesis 3. Yes, talking about the coming Savior. And the promises given to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and throughout the Old Testament given to the people of Israel that from them will come the Savior, Jesus. Preach Jesus. But then you can also understand it as John understands it in John chapter 1. When John writes, in the beginning was the Word. It's the same term that Paul uses here. That special term in Greek, logos. Now, I don't intend this to be a Greek lesson for you, but it's interesting to note the same term that John uses is the same term that Paul uses. And this was a term that was being bandied about the Greek world at the time of Paul. And remember, Paul traveled throughout the Greek world. He stood in the Areopagus, or however you want to pronounce it. And he stood there among the philosophers who were banding about their current philosophy, and what they called it was the word. Logos. What's the current logos? What's the current word? And each philosophy, uh, each philosopher had their different logos, had their each different word. Socrates, a very famous philosopher, we even know of him now, had his own take on the word. Pythagoras, known for his geometric and trigonomic theorem, also had his own logos or his own the word. 
But what does John say about it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all everything was made, and without him, not one thing was made that has been made. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory he, he has as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, you don't need to be a theologian to figure out who that is. That's Jesus Christ. That's the word. That's the logos that John is talking about. That's the logos, the word, that Paul is talking about. Either way you want to take it, Paul is telling Timothy, preach Jesus. And that's what we are to do as well. Now you might say to yourself, well, that's so fine and good for those of you who may have gone to Mequon and to Northwestern or now to Dr. Martin Luther College in New Orleans, Minnesota, but what about those of us sitting in the pews? I mean, this says preach. You might say to yourself, I'm not a preacher. But let's take a look at that word preach. What does that mean? Does it mean to, to be a man who is ordained, who may have gone to a seminary, to be ordained as Timothy was? Now, he may have not have gone to Mequon, but he was ordained. And Paul talks about that elsewhere in Scripture. No, to preach means to be a herald. Think about any of the medieval-type movies that you've seen, and you saw the town crier go out. And he had the scroll, and he opens it up, and he says, Hear ye, hear ye, the king's proclamation. And the town crier, or the, the, the herald, he isn't giving his own message, is he? No, he's speaking for the king. Because he's reading off of a scroll, he's not proclaiming his own message. He's reading what's on the scroll. He's reading what was given to him with the authority of the one who sent him. That's what this word preach means. It means to go forward with the authority of the one who sent him, with the message of the one who sent him. That's what Paul is telling Timothy, and that's what Paul is telling each one of us. Paul is not just talking to Timothy, and he's not just talking to whichever man is standing in the pulpit this day. And he's not just talking to the men of the church council of Salem Church, who once every January stands with their back to the congregation and shakes the pastor's hand and says, yes, they will discharge the duties of this church. And he's not just talking to the male voters of the congregation either. He's talking to each and every Christian, and not just of Salem Church, but of Christians everywhere, male and female, and of all different walks of life, and of every different station of life. Preach Jesus. Proclaim Jesus. Proclaim the message of the King. Proclaim the message of God. And what is that message of Jesus? That message of Jesus that is first and foremost the message of the cross. That is first and foremost the message of sins forgiven. Yes, sins that you and I have committed. Sins that stand as a separation between us and God. Sins that disqualify us from heaven. 
sins that when we look into the law of God, and a simple example of that is the Ten Commandments, and we say to ourselves, I am not worthy. Sins which we confessed to our Lord earlier in the service, the things that we have done and the things that we have left undone, whether in thought, word, or deed, the sins that anger a holy God, sins that if we were to stand before God on our own would make us unworthy to stand before him at all and dare to beg to get into his heaven. But remember the message of the cross. The message of the cross where our Savior Jesus comes and takes those sins upon himself. And in our place lives that life of righteousness, which we could not. True God, true man, living in our place, tempted in every way, just as we are yet, as the writer of the Hebrews says, was without sin. Giving us his righteousness, taking our sin, and there on the cross, facing the punishment with none of us would ever want to, nor be able to bear, and die the death, which should have been ours. And as true God, his death counts for us all. And by his resurrection from the grave, shows us that the penalty has been paid in full. And as a result, we too will rise again to life everlasting. And Paul places this charge upon Timothy and upon all of us, not just willy-nilly, and not just something that, well, it's of no real consequence, because he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom. These are serious matters. Literally, he says, in the face of God, I charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead. Now, Paul and Timothy were living almost 2,000 years ago, and they thought of it as happening soon. And we are almost 2,000 years closer to the event of Christ's return. Even more so. We desire to press this point home as we go forward and we proclaim Jesus. We proclaim Jesus to those who desperately need to hear it in our own families, to those around us, to everyone we meet. Now Paul, first of all, and as the top imperative says, preach Jesus. But he has eight other imperatives to give to Timothy and also to us as we do this. But notice he places preach Jesus as the top. He doesn't just say, well, do all these other things, and if you have time, sprinkle in a little bit of Jesus just to make it legitimate. No. No. Jesus, first and foremost, it has to be and it always will be. Because that's of the first importance. 
the message of the cross, the message of Jesus Christ, of him crucified and him risen again on the third day. That is the crux of the message of Christianity, and that is the, the focus of what we proclaim as Christians. He goes on to say, be ready, whether it's convenient or not. Each one of these imperatives is of the same flavor as the one that says, preach Jesus. Do it. Just do it. think, well, you know, if you're up to it, or, eh, you know, when you get to it. No, just do it. Be ready whether it's convenient or not. Maybe you're in a situation where you think, well, maybe it's not the right time to talk to somebody about Jesus. No, it is the right time. Maybe you're out mowing the lawn. You're here mowing the lawn at church. Somebody comes up to you and says, why is your church name Salem? Salem means peace. You've heard that many times from this book. And you have opportunity to tell them. Not just tell them, well, you know, you can come back on Sunday at 9 o'clock and hear about it. Maybe it might not seem like the correct, opportune time. Tell them then about Jesus. And if you think this type of thing may not happen, well, it has. You don't know the situation you may be in, but Paul says, be ready. You don't know when that time may come. When you see somebody in need to hear the message of their Savior, be ready, whether it might not seem a good time in your eyes, or not, but it's always a good time in the Lord's timetable because, again, we don't know either when the last day is coming or whether it may be your last day or the person you're talking to, their last day. Paul says, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Sometimes those can be difficult times, is it not? To stand up and say, what you're doing is not right. Maybe that's a gentle correction. Maybe it's a strong rebuke. Maybe it's a kind encouragement. Again, these are imperatives, not spoken necessarily with a harsh tone of voice, Paul to Timothy, Paul to us. But the implication is just do it. Be ready to be able to do it with patience and teaching. As you've heard Pastor Siles from this pulpit say many times, how will you be able to do that without first knowing the word? Be able to take it to those with patience and teaching. And then a warning that rings true at Paul's time sadly at our time as well. For there will come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, because they have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in line with their own desires. They will also turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Paul 
see that in the world, don't we? Back in the 1950s, and it's going on even today, there was a very, and as a result, very worldly successful preacher who took a poll. What do people want to hear in preaching? What do people not want to hear in preaching? One of the things he heard was, I don't want to hear about sin. It makes me feel bad. I don't want to hear it. Don't talk about it. So he didn't. And he packed him in. He packed him in for decades and decades until he retired. And others took over his spot and they packed him in as well with the same message. Their itching ears did not want to hear that they were sinners. If we're not sinners, we don't need a savior. If we're not sinners, we can just march up to God and walk into heaven ourselves. But that's not the truth, is it? Because on the last day, those who think they're not sinners, and who think they can just walk into heaven and say, How you doing, Lord? Glad to see you. Good to be here. Are going to be met with severe disappointment. But the truth must be told. And so the truth is preached. And the truth of Jesus, including the fact we're sinners, yet saved by the blood of Christ, is proclaimed. And Paul warns Timothy about this, and he warns us about this, because it is tempting. If the message of Jesus were changed, could we become worldly successful? Could we pack them in? Maybe. Would that be the right thing to do by God and by his word? No. And that's why Paul warns Timothy, and he warns us as well, that those days are coming. They had already come at the time of Paul, and they certainly have come by our time as well. He says and said, as for you, basically the other side of the corn, as for you, man of God, as for you, Timothy, as for you, members of Salem, as for you, dear Christians, as for you, keep a clear head in every situation. Literally, be sober. Keep your wits about you. Don't be tempted by such things. Don't look at what the world desires. Look at what the Lord desires. Look at what, what, what you were charged with. Bear hardship. Yeah, it might come. Is there ridicule? Is there hardship because of standing up for the word of the Lord? Certainly. Do we feel it here in, Canaan, in in Colorado Springs as much as other places in the world? Maybe not. But there are people that may die in other parts of the world because of standing firm on the truth of God. I pray that those times never come to us here in the United States, here in Colorado Springs. 
says, do the work of an evangelist. Again, another imperative. Continue to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And then he says, fulfill your ministry. What was Timothy charged to do? He was charged to preach. He was charged to teach. And that goes for all of us. Whatever our station in life may be. As an elder of the church. As a member of the church council. As a voting member of the congregation. As a <coughs> member of the congregation. As a Christian in this world. As a parent. Moses speaks of that. Moses speaks about teaching these truths at home. When you get up, when you're on the road, when you're sitting at home with your family, a child's first teacher, a child's first pastor is in the home. And it starts there. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a wonderful opportunity, not just for one hour on Sunday, but throughout our lives as Christians. The glorious gospel that the Lord has brought to us through the work of the Holy Spirit, through word and sacrament, to bring that to others. To simply do, as Paul said to Timothy, because it is quite simple, preach Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.